former U.S. national team coaches are talking. American players abroad are making moves. And MLS Week 12 brings us a handful of juicy matchups. This is the SBI Show. Hello, everybody. I'm Ivan Skolarsep. It is Friday. We have another Friday. We have another show. We have another pair of guests to join us uh, on the SBI Show. And it's a, it should be a good one. We have plenty to talk about. The uh, U.S. national team uh, has not begun their camp yet. They start their camp uh, next week in Philadelphia. We should find out who is on the first squad for the U.S. Uh, sometime this weekend, most likely on Sunday. Uh, I'm not sure yet when they'll announce uh, the squad that will head over to Europe to play Ireland and France, but we'll find out soon enough on that front. Uh, it's been an interesting week. Uh, you know, we've had Bruce Serena and Jurgen Klinsmann come out uh, making comments once again. Bruce Serena once more, but Jurgen Klinsmann actually coming out with the full, <laughs> with the full assault of, of, of interviews uh, leading up to the World Cup. For those of you who hadn't heard, he's going to be a, a pundit for the BBC. So he's had a lot to say there. We'll, we'll touch on that a little bit. And, and uh, obviously we've seen some players make moves already uh, before as we begin the, the winter. Uh, we've seen some players uh, sign new deals, uh, such as Cameron Carter-Vickers with Tottenham. Uh, we've seen players also make moves up into higher divisions, such as Alfredo Morales uh, making the move up. Uh, he'll be heading up to the Bundesliga after spending last season in the two Bundesliga. Uh, and then we have uh, one of our guests today. Uh, who, who's made the move up uh, from the third division in Germany to the second division, and that's Joe Zhao, and he's one of our two guests uh, today. We'll get we'll uh, catch up with him. Uh, I know I'm sure a lot of U.S. national team fans are are interested to hear from him and are curious to see what what, what he's been up to. Uh, obviously, he's had a he's had a long road uh, up and down, few years uh, with some injuries, with a knee injury that really set him back, but he's on his way back. Uh, and we catch up with him. We have a lot to discuss there. And also joining us, we have Lyndon Gooch, another American abroad. Uh, he's at Sunderland. He's just endured another relegation. Uh, Sunderland with two, uh, two, two relegations, and they've dropped down from the Premier League, and they'll be heading to League One next year, which is the English third division. Uh, it remains to be seen if Lyndon Gooch will be there with them or if he makes a move this summer. It's still up in the air, but he's someone who, even though his team struggled this year, I thought he showed well when given an opportunity, and uh, I think enough teams. I think teams will have seen that, and I think he has a good opportunity to make a move this summer. So we'll have both of them on. Uh, we'll also be touching on MLS. Obviously, we have the MLS Week 12 slate. Some really good matches to look forward to. Before we get into the MLS slate, I'm going to kick things off talking about the U.S. National Team. Uh, they'll be beginning their camp, kicking off their camp in Philadelphia. Uh, this weekend uh, ahead of the upcoming Memorial Day friendly against Bolivia at Talon Energy Stadium. And Dave Sarakin will be calling in an MLS-heavy contingent for the camp in Philly. Uh, it remains to be seen when they're going to announce the squad uh, that plays uh, plays in Europe, in Ireland and France. Uh, I think it's going to be a case of, I don't know if you're going to have a ton of overlap between the first group and the second group. I mean, I think there will be at least some, but I, I have to think that you're not going to see many players play in all three friendlies. I think if you're Sarakin, you're going to have to make some compromises, especially with MLS teams. When when you look at some of the schedules that some of these teams have in those in that same window where these three friendlies are being played, I mean, you have players who can miss anywhere between three and four matches if they were to stay with the national team for all three friendlies. So I, th I don't think that's a realistic uh, option. I think maybe are there some teams that are okay with letting their players go? Uh, like a New York Red Bulls, I think, yes. I think the Red Bulls 
you know, it's as important as Tyler Adams is to the Red Bulls. I think the Red Bulls are okay with letting him go for for a few games. They're pretty confident in, in their depth, and they also uh, stress and understand the importance of the U.S. national team. Not every team feels that way. Obviously, we know about FC Dallas. Uh, refusing to uh, release their players for the January camp. And, and my understanding is that we have more teams that have kind of, you know, balked at some call-ups, uh, whether directly, indirectly, whether, you know, kind of working the back channels. I mean, it sounds like obviously some teams, especially teams that are struggling right now, teams that are off to rough starts to the season or teams that have endured the, a rough first quarter of the MLS season probably aren't crazy about letting uh, some of their best players go for, for a couple of friendlies, especially friendlies that some people think are pretty meaningless. I know you can say all friendlies are meaningless, but obviously with the national team not having a World Cup to play in uh, and, and the new coach yet to be hired, I'm sure some people will look at these friendlies and say, you know, what's the point? Why do we need these? Why do we need this friendly against Bolivia? Why, you know, why are they going over to Europe? I still think it's worth it. It's great opportunity, great experience for these guys. So, We'll see who Sarakin turns to. Uh, we'll find out soon enough on that. I think we'll get an announcement on Sunday. In terms of players that I'd like to see in the upcoming camps, I mean, I think there's obviously quite a few players who who are new, who are younger, who are who are who have been playing well enough uh, to now merit considerations. And you know, I'm not going to give you the names of all the players that are in the pool, but just some players to kind of keep an eye out for. For me, I think uh, as far as goalkeeper goes. You know, Alex Bono, I think he's someone who, uh, you know, he's already had looks, uh, He's, but he's someone who I think the way he's been playing, uh, you know, building on his MLS Cup year, I think he's someone who absolutely merits a look. We all, everyone knows about Zach Steffen, uh, who got to start in the last U.S. friendly, but I think for me, Alex Bono is someone I really would like to get, get a closer look at with the national team, and you know what, hopefully he can get some playing time there. Bill Hamid has not been a regular starter uh, over in in Michelin. so uh you know that that's a, a situation where you know if he were playing regularly i think bill hamid would be kind of the number one guy right now uh when you consider the younger goalkeepers or or the goalkeepers that that you see moving into the next cycle but for me alex bono he's a guy who i really want to take a look at as far as center backs go or as far as defenders in general go uh obviously you know the Car- Cameron carter vickers and matt biaska tandem everyone wants to get a look at uh, John Brooks, if he's up for it, absolutely is a guy you want to bring back in. Uh, he's been through a lot this year. Uh, injury hit season, uh, still working to help uh, help make sure that Wolfsburg doesn't get relegated. So he's obviously he obviously still has work to do, but he's someone that I, I think you want to take a look at. Shaq Moore, uh, uh, a player who earned some minutes in La Liga. Uh, you know he hasn't had a chance yet to to make his uh, national team debut. But when you think about the right back position, he's someone that you know I think you'd like to see uh, get an opportunity in a camp like this. Uh, and then someone like Walker Zimmerman, who I think he's really looked good with LAFC since making the move over from FC Dallas. Obviously, now he's playing for for Bob Bradley, and you know who's a coach that is obviously going to bring the best out of him. So uh, I, I wouldn't mind seeing Walker Zimmerman uh, get a look. And then Tim Parker. Tim Parker for me. The move to the New York Red Bulls has been huge for him, and it's been huge for the Red Bulls. I think he's a guy who, who, who absolutely, you know, while he might not bring the the on the ball skill of some other players, I just think from a physicality standpoint, a, a, a strength, uh, and just just pure defending. I mean, I think he's a guy who who's playing well enough to earn a look. Uh, in terms of midfielders, 
we all know about the bigger names like McKinney and Adams, and and I and I do think Nagby, Dante Nagby, is going to get is going to be brought back into the fold. Uh, I think there are obviously some younger players who who deserve looks. Uh, someone like a Keaton Parks. Uh, there's obviously reports that he is going to be part of the upcoming camp. So I think that's no surprise there. You know, by all accounts, he's done really well in Portugal with Benfica with their second team. And, and you know, he's had some opportunities with the first team as well. Uh, I've heard nothing but good things about him, um, even from when you talk about the U.S. setup. Uh, he's someone who has been kind of in in the U.S. under 20 uh set up before so he's someone that i'm sure a lot of people want to uh get a chance to see uh someone like kenny saif who you know he he, he came with the team he, he played in one friendly got injured uh, after making the switch uh to play for the u.s uh, but he's someone you know he's a midfielder at anderlecht and he's a high level player and i think he's someone that you know what he could end up uh being a real difference maker for them especially when you think about uh moving into the next cycle um, someone like Timothy Weah, obviously every U.S. fans are desperate to see Timothy Weah and see what he can do. Uh, I think he's someone who absolutely should be brought in, uh, even if just the European uh, portion of it. Uh, I think he's someone that I think I'd like to see. And then Romain Gall, uh, you know, our recent guest on the SBI show, he is absolutely killing it in Sweden, in the Swedish first division. And, uh, you know, for my money, uh, I mean, is I don't know. Is there anyone who who's been producing more than him? I mean, you could say, uh, you know, Novakovic uh, playing for Telstar. I think he ended up with 21 goals on the season for them. But Romain Gall, between he's delivering goals, he's delivering assists, and say what you want about the Swedish first division and the level, uh, but I, I think it is a pretty good level. And I think it, you know, the Swedish league has produced some good players. So he's someone who I think has played well enough to to earn a look. Now the question is, is there if they is Dave Sarikin? Uh, paying that close attention uh, to a league like Sweden. So we'll see. We'll see if he if he's someone who can earn a look. Uh, and then at forward, there's definitely some options there. Uh, obviously, another young guy in Josh Sargent, who Dave Sarikin, I think, has mentioned, will be a part of these upcoming games. Uh, as young as he is, he's 18 now. Uh, but he's someone who, now that he's at Werder Bremen, he obviously hasn't broken through with the first team yet. But he's someone with great potential, and I think he's played well enough uh, to, to get a look and um, you have to ask yourself what you know it, it, it can, is he someone who's going to get on the field or do you bring him in just for the experience so I think he, he's one to, uh, to look out for and then our other guest on the show today Lyndon Gooch I think he's someone who whether you play him as forward as a second forward whether you play him as a winger I think to be fair he's more of a winger I think Lyndon Gooch has played well enough to uh, to earn consideration uh, for, for these camps. And, and I know some people will look and say, yeah, you know, Sunderland, they were terrible. They've been re- they're relegated for the second time. You know, how, you know, what can you say about his play? By all accounts, when Lyndon Gooch has had the opportunity to play or when he had the opportunity to play this past season, he did well. Now, for whatever reason, Chris Coleman chose not to play him for a big chunk of the season. And then when he started to play him again, Lyndon Gooch took full advantage, played well, Suffered an injury down the stretch that, that, you know, kept him out, obviously. But I think he still showed enough where, you know, you're going to see some teams uh, come calling uh, on him. So I think he's someone that, you know what, wouldn't shock me if he uh, if he were included in the camp. So this, those are just some of the names. Uh, you know, another big question about these camps are, is it are you going to bring older players in? And I just, you know what, the whole Michael Bradley uh, question, right? That that kind of lingers over things, and I just don't think he. I don't think he is is would be interested right now to be brought in for games like this. 
Toronto FC is not in good shape right now. Obviously, they've had tons of injuries. They've started the MLS season uh, poorly, and they need to turn things around. So you could you could understand why uh, if you're if you're Michael Bradley, you'd rather be focusing on um, focusing on Toronto FC right now. And if you're Dave Sarkin, you have enough central midfielders, uh, enough younger central midfielders to look at where you don't need to bring in a. Uh, a Michael Bradley. So I think from that standpoint, really, I don't think you're going to see anyone older, like really older brought in. I mean, maybe someone like, um, when you think about it, Brad Guzan is a possibility for me just because Atlanta, I believe, I believe they have a bye week, the, the weekend when uh, the Bolivia friendly is. So that would make sense from that standpoint uh, if you brought him in then. But other than that, really, I mean, I don't think anyone in their mid, any of the, any of those older veterans uh, who are part of the last World Cup quali- qualifying cycle are going to be coming in now. So it's definitely the youth movement will continue, uh, and it will be interesting to see who Sarakin turns to. It, speaking of national team, we've had Bruce Arena come out talking again, and we've had Jurgen Klinsmann joining him. Uh, we, uh, they weren't together, but they both have come out in interviews. Jurgen Klinsmann spoke to Sports Illustrated. He spoke to Yahoo!, uh, you know, he's had, he's had a lot to say uh, about about how everything went down. And, you know, uh, I thought it was interesting that, that he said that, you know, if he knew that, that he would get fired after just two losses in qualifying, that he would not have come back after the 2014 World Cup. And, you know, uh, when I heard that, I thought, well, you know, it's number one. It made me think, well, I, want, I wonder if that's what Bob Bradley thought when he got fired after the 2011 Gold Cup, right? I mean, if we, if we for those of us who remember... You know, he had a, you know, Bradley had a similar run, 2010 uh, World Cup, got to the round of 16, lost in the round of 16 in extra time. Uh, and then, you know, a year later, he gets the boot after losing in the Gold Cup final, losing to Mexico uh, in pretty uh, spectacular fashion. He gets fired. Jurgen Klinsmann get, uh, gets brought in. Now, Klinsmann, he was given his, his time. He was given, uh, you know, five-plus years uh, apparently, Klinsman doesn't feel like he was given enough time, and you know he seemed to have he seemed to have plenty of excuses for why the team you know didn't do as well while he was in charge. Um, and it's interesting. It's interesting. I mean, I'm sure there's some validity to some of the some of the things that he said, but I mean, anyone who spent any time around Klinsman or listening to Klinsman or talking to Klinsman knows that he's not one to take blame for anything directly. I mean, I, ha- I I just wonder what level of torture it would take to get him to actually say, I was wrong about X or Y specifically. I mean, the way he dances around these questions sometimes, and to the, to, in fairness to some of the reporters, uh, you know, who who do interview, who have interviewed him and who have talked to him, uh, like, like my man Doug McIntyre, who, who spoke to him recently, you know, they ask him, they ask him, hey, what, you know, what would you do differently? What would you change? And you always hope he will, he'll actually, you know, come out and say something specifically but he never does he just dances around it he's it's just not his way and you know for me i used to it used to drive me nuts right because i mean i had my opportunities to interview him and i asked him more than once about that's very kind of question you know what would you have done differently what do you regret what kind of you know what do you consider a mistake that you made and he's just not one that will ever ever own up to any mistakes that he made and he's not one to really take blame directly or, or accept blame. I mean, he's always got an excuse. Uh, and you know what? Bruce Arena isn't much different. Bruce Arena, you know, it, it, it's it's you know he he's he's he has had more than enough to say since the U.S. failed to qualify. And and as I said on the last episode, I just wish you know 
he would just stop talking. I think him and Jurgen probably should, you know, take some time. I mean, obviously Jurgen's been away for a while, so you know, give I'll give Klinsman credit. He at least, you know, he didn't really say anything for a year since he was fired. So, you know what, that that's some pretty good restraint there. Um, I mean, I don't know if that was part of his settlement agreement or as part of his, you know, separation agreement, but he has not said much. And even now when he's coming out and talking, I mean, he's not, it's not like he's throwing anyone under the bus directly, uh, specifically, no, no, no names, no players specifically, you know, he's just kind of speaking kind of general terms about things that U.S. soccer needs, uh, you know, needs to fix things that, that the American soccer uh, community here and the game here and the setup and the stru- development structure need to change. So, you know what? It's interesting. So, I mean, I know obviously there are a lot of people who, who came away with a sour taste in their mouths from the Jurgen Klinsmann era and the Jurgen Klinsmann experiment. But, I mean, I still do think he has something to bring to the table in terms of just observations. And, and you know, I've always found him to be a be, be someone who could kind of see the big picture of things. I mean, I don't know if he, you know, I think he might have been better suited to be a technical director than a head coach, but you know what? <laughs> he was both, and and I don't know if he, uh, I don't know if he necessarily realistically comes away from his stint as U.S. coach and and seeing that as a huge success. I think he maybe sees that that considers that he did a good job. I think the jury's a little out on that one. Moving on in other. U.S. men's national team related news. We have some players making moves. Cameron Carter-Vickers has signed a new deal with Tottenham. And that's uh, I think it's pretty big news there because, you know, we're talking about a player who obviously he's been a big prospect for Tottenham for some time. But there definitely was a sense about a year ago that maybe, you know, Tottenham wasn't necessarily, you know, still as high on him. They obviously sent him out on loan. And I think the fact that they have now signed him to a new contract, it definitely bodes well for him uh, at a time when Tottenham is, is you know, in the process of most likely selling uh, Toby Adderweirel, um, they're, they're one of their standout central defenders. Um, obviously, they still have John Vertonghen, they still have Davinson Sanchez. But you know what? When you when you lose a player like Adderweirel, that, I mean, they're going to have to replace him. And, you know, not to say that Carter Rickards is going to slide into the Tottenham starting lineup. I mean, he is twenty. He is still twenty years old, and last season, his 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 last season, uh, which he spent uh, partly at Sheffield United, partly at Ipswich Town, um, you know, is that one full season in the league championship enough to get him ready to now be a starting central uh, central defender for for Tottenham? I mean, I don't know if that's I don't know if that's a given, right? So I think maybe could he use maybe some more time? That's possible. That's entirely possible. Uh, so from that standpoint, you know, I think. You know, I think he he's someone who next year is going to be huge for him. And I, you say that all the time about players, but for next year, you know, is he going to be a squad player for Spurs? Is he going to be like their third center back, their fourth center back, or are they going to send him out for another full year of seasoning as as you know a starter in the league championship on another loan? So uh, we'll see on that. But that's a that's a good move for him. Speaking of players on the move. Now joining us from uh, right now, I believe he's he's hanging out on the campus of Duke University, uh, where he's where he's with his sister. Uh, now he's on break from from his time in Germany. Uh, we have Joe Zhao, who just uh, just completed his move to to Duisburg in the two Bundesliga, coming off an excellent season in the three Bundesliga. Joe, how you doing today? I'm great. I'm great. How are you? 
I'm good. I'm good. Uh, definitely. Thanks for coming on. And, uh, you know, I'm sure a lot of people uh, now that they heard the news about your recent move are, 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 are curious to know what's going on with you, how you've been. Uh, you obviously had, had a had a bit of a roller coaster ride the last few years, and now you're coming up on a on a high point now, heading back upward, uh, leveling up, as you like to say. Yes, <laughs> um, sir. T- t- tell me, just kind of uh, where how you feel right now, where you are right now. Obviously, you had a good season. You're coming off a good season. How you feeling right now? I'm feeling great. I'm feeling great. Um, my body's working with me. Everything is feeling good. I'm feeling strong. I'm just happy to have uh, completed a full season, and then. Uh, Obviously, a great move to cap it all off. It's just a testament to the hard work. And um, right now, I'm just enjoying my time at home. Uh, about to, you know, do a little off-season training as well, but uh, mostly unwinding because it's been a, it's been a, it's been a tough couple of years. Right, right, absolutely. Now, obviously, you you make the move. Uh, you leave Dortmund, uh, looking for some playing time. You you recovered from the knee injury that kept you out, you know, almost two full years. Uh, you make the move to, to a third division team. And I know most people might think, oh, you know, that's a little risky or, or also or even that it might be a tough decision to make. I, I spoke to Romain Gall recently who who went to Sweden and made the same decision. And he admitted it wasn't an easy one. Now, uh, how tough was that for you? And, and, and tell the people about the level, because I, I, I think people sleep on Germany and, and the third division. And, and the reality is it's probably better than people realize. Yeah, for sure. Um you know, it was, it was uh, you know, leaving a club like Dortmund is, is never easy. But at that time, I was so eager to play. I was ready to get on the field and, 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 and prove a lot of the doubters wrong. So I was very ecstatic about my decision. I was very, uh, very decisive. And, um, yeah, the decision to go to the third league, like at first, you know, I was figuring coming from Dortmund, I'll be able to get, you know, a second league deal or or maybe a first league deal in in some other uh, a smaller country or something like that. But a lot of people were skeptical about the time, like the duration of the time I was out for my injury, and then if it would hold up when if and when they did sign me, you know. So that that definitely played a lot into uh, me going into third league. And so Sonnenhof Sonnenhof Grossasbach they came they came out of nowhere. You know they called my agent and they said, look, you know we'll 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 take him we'll take him. Uh, you know, no questions asked. And the manager, he had known me from when I was playing U19 in, in Hoffenheim. So he knew a little bit about me already. And when I got there, you know, they gave me the confidence. They gave me the time to establish myself to play game in, game out. And I'm um, definitely paid off. And and a lot of people don't know that the that third league ball is high level ball. Like a lot of these teams that you see in the second Bundesliga, um, you know, some that even make their way up into the first first Bundesliga, like they come, they come and surge through the third league. Like the third league, depending on where you play, you'll be playing in front of thirty thousand fans. Like Magdeburg, right. um, you know, Duisburg, they were in third league, but they're normally in second Bundesliga traditionally. And um, yeah, the tactics of the game, the speed of the game. You know, it's also a young, a like a, it's even a younger league, right? Because I know a lot of German teams exactly. in the third in the third division play play young prospects who have the talent, but they're you know exactly. they're still developing. So you know a lot of that's why a lot of scouts are also at those games because you know there's a lot of young guys you know twenty twenty one twenty two that you know instead of trying to go straight to a Bundesliga team they'll go to the third league to establish themselves and then they'll make that bounce. Some of them even make that bounce straight up to a you know a decent mid-level Bundesliga squad straight from, from the third league. So you can't really sleep on the level over there. 
but a lot of people right. don't know it. Right, right. Now, now obviously, people over here haven't been able to to watch you play. In terms of kind of your overall game, has your game like if someone sees you play now? I mean, has your game changed much? Have you have you had to ad- adapt your game, or or is are are we going to see now the same Joe Jow that we saw you know four or five years ago? My game has definitely matured a lot more. Um, I've matured as a player a lot. You know, before this, I was I was very hungry. I was very, you know. Um, eager what's the word eager on the pitch when I was right. younger but sometimes it might have been to my own detriment like maybe I might have wanted to do too much or you know but now my game is much more balanced I make mm-hmm. the make the right runs at the right times I play the ball a little bit quicker you know to the guy who's in the better spot that's why right. my, my, my assist rate is going a little bit up my the ambidextrity in my game has definitely also gone up. I'm using right and left like it's the same now. And, um, yeah, I'm also stronger. Like two years okay. of rehab will definitely have you ripped. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, – So how are yeah. the wheels? Are the wheels back? I mean, do, oh, are, you man, still winning? Wheels, are you still beating most people in races or what? Yeah, the wheels are back like they never left. You know, A lot yes. of people don't know, like, if you do rehab correctly – then your leg will be back stronger than it was before because me when i was playing like before the injuries and everything i was just playing off of pure athleticism like right. pure off of god-given you know genes i wasn't really working on speed and everything that much like that but now after you know losing that i had to get that back and then some so i was in the gym every day doing jumps doing uh sprints you know acceleration work squats single leg squats all that type of stuff so yeah the kid is definitely back right nice so uh i mean i still remember like i was telling you before um about seeing you and deandre edlin go back and forth uh some great battles that i wish people would have been able to see in training uh you definitely got the uh, i'm not gonna say who got the better of the other but you guys definitely brought the best out of each other and uh I still sure. want to see it. I still want to see you guys race for money. I, I want to see. I want to see. I don't know who's <laughs> going to win that race. That's a, that'd be a pretty good race, I think. But uh, but so tell me. I mean, obviously, you go through that whole ordeal, uh, the, just the, that much time recovering and, and and dealing with the injuries. Who did you kind of lean on uh, in that process? Obviously, you lean on family. You lean on uh, teammates in the club. But I know. I know there were other Americans who were also going through their injury issues, like uh, Bobby Wood, Terrence Boyd. Uh, you know, Josh Gatt. I mean, how, how much did you kind of? How much did having those guys help you? Just knowing that they were going through stuff. It, it helped a lot. You know, uh, actually, uh, me and Terrence and Josh, we were going to the same rehab center at the time, so. I was always bouncing info off of those guys. Um, we were, you know, sticking together all the time. We would be in rehab. We would be eating together. And, um, yeah, those those two guys definitely helped me a lot. And then Bobby, like, that's one of my best friends since I was about, I don't know, 15. So, and uh, he's also had, you know, not as serious as my knee injuries, but he's had his his, uh, his knee problems. And, you know, obviously when you have a, a deficit or you know a, a problem with your knee you 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 try to inform yourself as much as you can about it so over the years he's definitely become i don't want to say an expert but he's definitely highly informed about the knees so anytime i came back into training and i would feel a little bit of something after i would you know hit him up on the phone and be like hey is it normal to to feel this is it normal when your knee is swelling after this you know just getting back so early and 
he was able to tell me right away, you know, what what uh, what I should do, what I should be expecting. So he helped me a lot. Uh, my boy Edson Brafai, we played together at Hoffenheim. He helped me out tremendously as well. Just being a just being a supporting homie when when uh, I got the bad news from the doctor, he was um, yeah, coincidentally in the same clinic as I was because he had just had an injury as well. And uh, yeah, gave me a shoulder to cry on because you know I I had to shed a couple tears when the doc told me how long I was gonna be out. Um, and yeah, obviously my dad, my mom, they they helped out a lot as well. But uh, yeah, Bobby and Bobby and Edson, Terrence and Josh were definitely some some homies that helped me out. So now, as long as as long as it was, as long as the whole process was, I mean, I mean, it doesn't sound like you ever got to a point where you started thinking about retiring or 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 giving it up. I mean, it sounds like you even even at your lowest kept fighting through that whole thing. Yeah. Um, don't get me wrong. Now, it was definitely really sometimes where it was very very hard because right after right after like the first major surgery, uh, my knees were my knee was like swelling a lot and you know they would uh, extract some of the fluid and it like wouldn't stay out and I was thinking like man is this thing ever going to get better so there were definitely some days where I was where I was worried and very questionable but every time there was a little bit of progress I took that and ran with it and I was like okay okay now now we're on the road now we're on the road back to recovery and and I just tried to keep that motivation all the time. You know, I was able to sit back and and actually like watch a lot more games in depth. Um, you know, study the game a little bit more, and that also helped me a lot. It gave me an edge. Um, it, it just it just get, made me a lot more hungry because it's like, as an athlete, you only have a short window to play. So when you do get that chance, you gotta use it all you got to use it to the best that you can and uh that's like been my motto since i've been back because you know as quickly as you know you can rise you can fall and people forget just as quick so yeah. i'm just trying to get back and remind people every weekend that you know i'm i'm out here so so obviously when you go through a period like that you're so you're so focused on just getting back uh, getting back to playing on the club level, but through that process, do you think about the national team, or do you allow yourself to still think about that as kind of a uh, you know a goal to get back, or or is that something you kind of just had to put on the back burner? Yeah, in the beginning, like I thought about it a lot because like I, I was I was I was in the mix uh, right before I made my my debut at a against Czech Republic. Klinsman was telling me like, yeah, you're part of the team now. I want to have you in the roster for. With a gold cup coming up in the summer, you I want to have you in the cycle for a World Cup and things like that. And then I get hurt, and all those things slipped away. That was definitely fresh in my mind. But then, once I got back and slowly started to play again, then I realized like, okay, that can't be your 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 sole your sole motivation. You gotta keep your eye on on keep improving because once you keep improving every training every game then that stuff will come automatically. So you got to just focus on the development part. You got to focus on the basics and, and not per se put that on the back burner, but just keep that in the back of your mind and keep the daily tasks in the front. Right, right. Now, obviously, with everything that happened now with the U.S. missing out on the World Cup, uh, it, it's a whole new uh, it's a whole new focus now. Everyone, everyone's looking forward to the next cycle and, and to a younger right. generation. And, 
and you know you're you're still young but it, you know you're kind of in that it's in your wheelhouse in terms of your age you're 25 right um so i mean are you allowing yourself now to think about it again about okay you know i'm getting there i'm getting there might be time to you know you know yeah, feel like you, do you um, feel like you're getting closer yeah you know just like step by step definitely with this step i'm a, i'm a little bit closer but the next world cup isn't for the next you know 4 years but i mean until then, I'm just trying to, you know, on a club level, establish myself, keep keep leveling up and make enough noise that, you know, I, I, I get back in there. But when the World Cup comes, I'll be 29, about to be 30 that September coming up. So I'm feeling like that should be where I'm really like seasoned vet, like in my in my prime. Like I feel like 20, 20 29, 28 will be like my, my prime years. So. You know that's that's how I'm thinking right now. Hopefully uh, everything everything works out. But you know, obviously as I've learned through the injury, you can't really look too far in the future because you never know right, what's right. gonna happen the next day. So, right, right. You've learned you've learned some patience through the process. <laughs> exactly, patience. Patience is key. So you're not in a rush for the national team, but it's definitely. It sounds like it's a goal. It's still on your list of goals. Yeah, for sure. Like, don't get it twisted. That's that's still a goal. That's still, you know, I still want to represent, put those country uh, colors on for my country, play, you know, show out, represent. But at the same time, I know how I have to go about things. You know, each day I have to perform in order to get to that. If I'm just looking at that the whole time and I'm playing like crap in training or not playing in the games, I'm not going to get to that point anyway. So in order right. to get to that, I gotta, you know, on my be on my p's and q's, be sharp every day in order to get there. So that's why I, I describe it like that. But that's still a huge goal for me. Well, hey man, I definitely appreciate the time and, and good luck with the next step. And uh, hopefully we can we can start seeing some. Do, do so pronounce it for me. Is it Duisburg? How, how do you yeah. say the? It's MSV Duisburg. Duisburg. I'm not even going to do the first part, but Duisburg. <laughs> All right, sounds good. So, do, can we? You think? Do you, have you looked into whether or not uh, your family can watch the games online? Or uh, oh yeah, how, they, they you... can. They can watch them on online for sure. Like uh, Bundesliga, Bundesliga Two is televised nationally all over Germany, and then there you can you can find links all the time. Nice. All right, we'll, we'll be looking out for those for sure. So yeah, man, good good luck with the next step. And uh, once again, thanks thanks so much for uh, for joining us. No problem. No problem. I appreciate it. Ladies and gentlemen, Joe Zhao, and I got to tell you folks, he's been through a lot, but obviously he's been able to overcome that. Now he's on his way, heading back upward. I mean, we're talking about a player who before the knee injury was, you know, I don't want to say he was on top of the world, but he was heading that way. I mean, even before before there was a Christian Pulisic as a pro, a pro standout at Dortmund, I mean, Joe Zhao was that young prospect at Dortmund, that speedster with so much promise and was just getting into the U.S. national team setup. I mean, I, I remember it like it was yesterday, sitting and watching U.S. training. I believe it was in Boston. And uh, Joe Jow was there. And him and DeAndre Yedlin had some absolute battles in training, just one-on-one. Just, you know, Joe Jow getting the ball and taking him on. And, and when you want to talk about, I mean, I don't think there's ever been more speed in a head-to-head U.S. national team matchup than when Jow and Yedlin were going at it. And, uh, you know, it's great to hear that he's... Uh, recovered and overcome the injury and now that you know you know sounds like 
uh, based on his comments that he's stronger now. He's more mature now. He's he's rounded out his game. Doesn't rely so much on just pure athleticism. And he's on his way up. You know, uh, the second Bundesliga is a very solid level. And I think he's someone you definitely want to keep an eye out for. Uh, I think he's, you know, if he makes the most of this opportunity, I mean, we could see another move after that. And at the age of 25, you know, he's still very much someone who could be uh, a national team prospect, someone who could play their way their way back into the national team picture. I mean, we're talking about a guy, I, if I remember correctly, I might have even projected him as a, as a World Cup starter at one point. I mean, before... Uh, yeah, I think for for the 2018 World Cup that obviously the U.S. did not make. I think uh, when I did a I did a projecting the World Cup uh, right after the last World Cup. I, I'm pretty sure I did that, and I'm pretty sure I had Joe Zhao in my lineup, uh, in my starting lineup. I mean, I, he was in that. He was headed that way. We're talking about just a pure attacking winger, uh, something that there there aren't enough of in the U.S. setup. So. You know what? Keep keep an eye out for him, and and we'll see how he does. And uh, is he going to get a national team call up this summer? No, I, I don't think that's going to happen. But I think I tell you what, if he if he does well, has another strong season in in the second Bundesliga in Germany, I think I think at some point whoever takes charge, whoever takes over as the next head coach, is going to want to take a look at him and see how he's doing. And and uh, he's someone who if he if he is if he is back to his old level. In terms of physically, I tell you what, folks, keep an eye out because uh, he, he's something special. He can absolutely be something special. Uh, and speaking of, of of wing American wingers who give you uh, some some speed on the flanks, our next guest is none other than Lyndon Gooch, you former U.S. Under Twenty National Team midfielder and occasional U.S. National Team call up under Jurgen Klinsmann. He's at Sunderland, which unfortunately for them. And for Gooch, ha- endured another rough season, another relegation. Now they've dropped down to the second, uh, to the what is League One, which is effectively the English third division for next season. Uh, there's still a lot of upheaval at Sunderland, uh, a looming sale of the club. Not sure who's going to be the manager next season. And uh, to be honest, we, at this point, we, it's hard to say whether Gooch will even be there this season. But, you know, he's nice enough to join us. He is also uh, back home on vacation. He's out in California, actually, but he's there now, uh, you know, ch- enjoying a vacation. And who knows? You know, I think, like I said, he's someone who could be getting a call from the national team. Uh, welcome to the SBI show. Lyndon Gooch, how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. How's it going? It's going well. It's going well. Uh, it's definitely great to have you on. And, and you know, obviously a bit of a roller coaster yeah. year for you uh, over yeah. in England. So I just kind of wanted to catch up and... And ask you a little about the year. I mean, obviously, it was a it was a an emotionally taxing year. It had its its good moments. It obviously had its down moments. But but what what did you think of yeah. the year overall? Yeah, uh, obviously, on a personal note, um, it's the most like first team football I've played in my career. So in terms of that, it was really good. Obviously, played um, almost thirty thirty games. So yeah, I mean, I played a lot and. Um, yeah, I scored a couple of goals, had a few assists. So, yeah, that's always that's always a positive for me. Obviously, as a team, it was really disappointing again, um, getting relegated. So, yeah, it's definitely mixed emotions. Obviously, you know, you guys went through relegation, have gone through relegation again now, yeah. um, okay. and as for a second time since you've been there. Yeah. Obviously, it doesn't get any yeah. easier. Um, it's it's probably miserable yeah. no matter what. But how how was it different? Or how was it? Yeah. How was it similar? 
it was I think it was different last year. I think we kind of expected to be in a relegation in the Premier League after the past few seasons before that, just surviving. And I think going into this season, we thought we were going to be more more stable and kind of try and push for promotion again. And obviously, it was kind of the opposite, and we were in a relegation battle pretty much straight away after two or three months into the season. So, yeah, I think I don't think this year was really expected. Maybe in the Premier League, people thought we'd struggle again, but I don't think people really saw it coming in the championship this year. Right. Now, as far as you go, I mean, you, you played more this year. Now, when you when, now, when Sunday was in the Premier yeah. League, you got some opportunities there, showed you can play on that yeah. level, yeah. and now here you are in the championship once again, yeah. you know, with the opportunities you got, you showed you showed well. Um, so, I mean, is it yeah. looking at looking ahead to the future? I mean, where do you see yourself, you know, after this season, going into next season? I mean, do you, do you think uh, maybe staying in the championship? I've got another one year on my on my current contract with Sunderland, and where the clubs just sold, but we're just waiting for approval from the EFL, and then um, so we're going to have new owners and new manager, and it's just something that. I'll have to figure out if the new manager wants me to be there or if they are trying to get rid of me or what. But I still have another year contract, so um, I guess we'll just see what happens um, over the summer. How do you feel like you you personally improved over the year? I mean, obviously, I know you you played a few different positions uh, early on uh, in your time there. Uh, This this year you had the chance to settle in a bit more. Yeah. From a personal standpoint, I mean, do you feel like you improved? Do you feel like you, you were able to kind of evolve as a player? Yeah, definitely. I think obviously I, pl- I played a lot more this year and more opportunities, and I, d- I have played a lot of different positions this season. I mean, I've, I've played up front as a striker. I played as like a number ten. I've played on the wing. I've even played central midfield. So, yeah, I think playing all the different positions like I've been doing um, definitely helps. So you got to play a few different positions again. Yeah. Where, where 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 do you feel most com- most comfortable, or do you kind of not have a like, you know, if you had your pick, where would you um, ideally play? If I had my pick, I think, I mean, towards the end of the season, I was playing more as a winger, and that, those were probably the best performances I've had at any level. And, yeah, I mean, I like to take people on 1v1 and, and get crosses in and, and get in the box and come inside. So, yeah, I think I can I can definitely be a really big player for, for any team in that position. Um, with my strength and power and speed and stuff. So, yeah, I think um, that's probably where I've played some of my best uh, soccer or football over the past past year. So probably out wide, I would say. Well, what's been the toughest position for you to kind of be thrown into and, and try to try to adapt to? I think there was a there was a spell over like kind of November, December, January where I was playing as a central midfielder and I was basically like filling in because we had a lot of injuries and I did have some good performances. Um, but yeah, that's just a role that I'll have to get used to. If that's where, where people think I'm, I'm better playing. I mean, I can play in that position. Um, but yeah, I've, I've always been used to kind of playing on the wing or, or playing as like a nine or 10. Um, but I, I do enjoy being in the middle. I enjoy working hard. I enjoy tackling and, and uh, spraying the ball around. So, yeah, I mean, I can play that position as well, but that's, that was kind of a, a good learning curve for me to play in big games and, and in the middle of the park, you know. No, no, fans in the U.S. will remember uh, you, you got a few call-ups for the U.S. national team. You had a chance to, uh, you know, show what you can do there. Obviously, Jurgen Klinsmann yeah. uh, brought you in a few times. And 
you know, we saw you yeah. on the wing. We saw you could, you know, take people on, go at people. What was that experience like for you? Yeah. Obviously, as young as you were to get to get the chance to get called up and, and have those experiences. What was that like? Yeah, it was it was really good. Um, I, I obviously I, I really enjoyed all the opportunities I've, I've been given so far, and um, Jurgen um, really believed in me from from day one when he brought me into the first camp. Um, he helped me a lot, gave me a lot of confidence, and um, yeah, I just I, I want to continue to try and get more opportunities and try and be a big player because I really feel that I can really lock down a place if I get if I get a good chance to really prove. Um, myself and um, I think if I get a chance on the wing I think I've shown glimpses that um, I can I can be a big part going forward and uh, yeah I'm just hoping that those opportunities can come again. Now you've obviously seen you know the whole aftermath of the U.S. Uh, failing to qualify I mean where, where yeah. were did you were you watching the game or was it too late at night for you in England and what, what was no, kind of your? Yeah, can you yeah, remember your reaction when you found out that the U.S. didn't qualify? Yeah, I I was uh I just woke up obviously I had uh, had training the next day so I I tried to stay up but I ended up falling asleep and then when I uh, when I saw what happened that was just kind of I couldn't believe it I thought it was kind of a sick joke and I just kept kept looking at stuff to kind of realize that that it really happened so yeah it was obviously a huge disappointment for everyone and. Yeah, I mean, it was just—it was just devastating. Now, in the aftermath of that, we've seen obviously a big youth, youth movement, a lot—a a, a turn to kind of that yeah. next generation of players heading into the next World Cup cycle, World Cup qualifying cycle. You're yeah. obviously that—that's your age group. Um, when you look at that, when you've seen some yeah. of the players that have started to get called in, get called in. I mean, how how much does that kind of get you excited? You know, seeing guys that you played with, and you yourself. I mean, you're being 22 yeah. years old. I mean, I'm sure your time is coming to to yeah. get brought back in. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's big. We we always had a good group of players growing up. I mean, we all played against each other as well before we were in the youth national teams together too. So, yeah, it's obviously really good for us to be together. I mean, we've known each other over the years for a long, long time. So it's it's great. You know, we're all pretty good friends and and close, especially during the under twenty uh, qualifying campaign and and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it's 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 great to all be involved. Right, and and who uh, who is is there anyone that you you kind of keep in touch with more than others, or are there any of your kind of close friends that are in the mix now in the national team setup? Yeah, I mean, there's a few of us. I mean, Kellen, Paul, Ariola. Um, it's quite, there's there's a lot of us, you know. I mean, I've been pretty close with Emerson Hyman over the years too. Obviously, he hasn't really been called up for a while, but um, yeah, there's there's a lot of us who who are good friends, and whenever we meet back up, um, it's it's always the same, you know, it's a group, a group of guys. So, um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of us that are like good friends and, and keep in touch, you know? Right. Hey, now have you, uh, yeah, I know, I know the, the roster hasn't come out yet, uh, for, for the upcoming U S games. So I won't ask you if you've been, if you've been called yeah. up yet, since obviously they haven't announced the roster yet. I'm pretty sure they're going to announce the roster yeah. for the first game on Sunday. But I will ask you. I mean, have you at least have you had conversations with with the national team set up? I mean, have you had a chance to talk to Dave Sarkin? So, I mean, are you on the radar? Um, I personally haven't haven't really spoke to anyone. No, no one's no one's really got in touch with me. Um, but um, I'm I'm hoping I'm hoping to be there. I'm hoping to be involved. Um, so I guess we'll just see what happens over the next over the next few days and 
and take it from there. Well, great, man. Well, hey, I appreciate the time, yeah. and uh, hopefully, we'll you know, hopefully, Dave Sarkin will give you a call so we can see you in uh, in some of these games. So, definitely want to keep your phone on because yeah. uh, I have a feeling you might be getting a call soon. Yeah. But uh, definitely, good luck and appreciate Sounds the time, and, and good luck with the next step. We'll, we'll uh, hopefully we can uh, reconnect with you later this summer uh, once we know where where you will yeah. be. So, good luck with that. Yeah. No worries. Thank you. Lyndon Gooch, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, he's a player who, you know, from the, the times that I've been able to see him play, there's definitely something to his game in terms of being someone who isn't afraid to to go at people. Uh, he brings pace. He brings some real ability on the dribble, and it's interesting that, you know, since he's been at Sunderland in the last couple of years, he's bounced around a lot positionally, and it's you always wonder how that's going to affect the player, and sometimes for some players... It can kind of stunt their growth for other players. It can help them round out their game. And I think wherever he goes next, we'll, we'll really get a sense of, of where his game is now and, and what what the, those that experience has done for him and done for his game. Uh, I mean, me personally, if, he had to, if, if I were betting, I would not bet on him returning to Sunderland. And I think he showed enough uh, this past season to at least stay in the league championship. Um, you know, is he going to move up to the Premier League? I don't. I, I think that that's a that's a little bit of an ambitious one, but I think League Championship, him staying there, you know, one of the teams of the League Championship coming and, and making a move for him, I think is absolutely something that can happen. Um, and that's not to say he wants to leave. I mean, it doesn't sound like uh, it, he's forcing his way out there. Um, and obviously, we don't know what's going to happen yet in terms of uh, a, new, a new ownership group, who the new manager will be, what kind of direction they're headed in. Um, but I'll tell you one thing, one way or the other, I think Lyndon Gooch for me is someone who showed enough this season that I think next season it'll give him something to build on and he's someone absolutely to watch out for. Let's move on to MLS action. Uh, MLS Week 12 is underway. We, we've got some uh, some news items to touch on first before we get into anything. Uh, we obviously have uh, Patrick Vieira. So it's, not, it's looking less and less uh, like he's going to be going to Arsenal. I think that was always always a bit of a, a bit of a long shot. I, I, I always saw him as someone who, you know, down the road could end up there, but I didn't see him being the guy to replace Arsene Wenger. It's sounding more and more like Mikel Arteta is going to be the man to replace Arsene Wenger. But having said that, apparently now there are a lot of reports out of France of teams in, in Ligue 1, uh, top French teams that are interested in Vieira services, uh, nice and Nantes are, are two teams that have, have been linked to to Vieira. The most recent report I saw claims that Nice uh, has had some good meetings with, I don't know if it's Vieira or his people, uh, and it sounds like maybe something that could happen there. I'm still of the opinion that he's not going to make a move in the middle of the season and just leave MLS like that, but you never know. I mean, we see it all the time. We've seen it in bigger leagues than MLS where managers just up and go to another club in the middle of the season, uh, it's just that Vieira, everything he has said, makes it definitely sound like he wants to see out the project. He wants to try to take this team to a title and win some silverware. As things stand, NYCFC, they haven't won anything yet. They haven't even won a conference title. So, uh, you know, they have a team right now that's pretty, you know, pretty solid, pretty well built that can that can make a run. And I know people will argue that, especially after the way they got beaten up in the in the derby a few weeks ago. But for me, there's still absolutely a team that's in that on that short list of true MLS Cup contenders. And uh, you know, if you're Vieira and you're and you have your heart set on finishing it out, uh, I could see him waiting. I could see him finishing the season out and then seeing where he ends up in the winter, or maybe even taking uh, next the beginning of 2019 off 
and then being available in the summer of 2019 for his choice of clubs. And, uh, you know, I think for me, I still I think he's an excellent uh, coach. I mean, I just I've seen him work. I've seen him uh, dealing with players. I've spoken to his to players, current and former players, and you don't hear anything but great things about the job that he does as a coach. So I think it's only a matter of time before we see him uh, land a bigger job. I just don't think it's going to be as soon as this summer. But at this point, you never know. Uh, also, in other MLS news, it's the injury bug is hungry, folks. The injury bug is is, is feasting right now. Uh, and some teams are taking hits more, a lot more than others. The Seattle Sounders definitely one of those teams. Obviously, they already lost Jordan Morris for the season. And now Will Bruin uh, is dealing with a torn plantar fascia. And anyone who's had plantar fasciitis knows how painful anything related to the plantar fascia can be. And and Brian Schmetzer wouldn't put a timetable on how long when how long will Bruin is out. But I can tell you, it's not going to be a quick recovery. It's going to be it's going to take him a while. Uh, it could take up to three months if you have a torn, a completely torn plantar fascia. We don't know how how severe the tear is for Bruin, but he's looking at you know it could it could be up to a couple of months with him. And we're talking about a team that was already struggling for depth, already struggling for attacking options. And now you take Bruin out of the equation, all of a sudden, man, it's the pickings are slim with the Sounders right now. And they're struggling. They're struggling. And they're in the Western Conference, which is the weaker conference. So from that standpoint, you kind of say, well, as long as they don't fall too far, they get those reinforcements in the summer, they could turn things around. It's not like it wasn't just two years ago that we saw the Sounders bring in Nicholas Odero, fire Siggy Schmidt, hire Brian Schmetzer, and go on to an MLS Cup title, right? We just That just happened two years ago. So from that standpoint, that's why I kind of say, you know what, don't go panicking just yet, Sounders fans. But right now, they're in tough shape. And right now, they need some players to step up. They need some younger players to step up, whether it's you know a ro- even a rookie like Hanwala Buana or a new player like uh, Ekram Wolf. Obviously, Christian Roldan is already—he's already such a huge part of that team. But maybe his brother, another rookie, Alex Roldan, they need some players to step up. They need—they, you know, whoever it is, they're going to need somebody because they are not getting reinforcements until July. Now the window is closed, the transfer window is closed, and I'm sure Garth Lagoway is working on some pickups. But right now we're looking—we're in mid-May. It's May 18th. It's—we're almost around two months away from them getting reinforcements it's a lot of games so if they are going to stay within touching distance of the playoff spots in the west um they're going to need some of these players to step up so we'll see what happens with them uh the chicago fire another team hit by the injury bug matt poster it's looking like he could miss the whole season now uh after uh, he suffered a torn mcl he had injured it and he had already missed most of the season up to now he re-injured it tore it and now we're talking uh you know a, a timetable that could move leave him out all the way to the end of the season and that's devastating for a player who was so good for the fire last year a player who by the way is in the last year of his contract so we're talking about a player who is heading into a, a, la- a contract year more than likely was going to head off and try to find opportunities in europe and now he's more he's probably going to miss the whole season and you wonder what he's going to do now is he going to stay in mls is he still going to be able to find opportunities abroad? Uh, so that that's a tough one. That's an absolutely tough one. And obviously for, for Chicago, uh, it, it's it's a big hit for a team that is already a bit shorthanded in that they they also are on the market for some upgrades. Where you know much like the Sounders, 
who who have the resources and have the need for upgrades, but weren't able to make them in the last transfer window, the Fire are in a similar position. They didn't make the additions that they would have liked to have made. Now you throw on top of that, Matt, Matt Poster's done, not coming back till the very end, if at all. And that's just another headache for Nelson Rodriguez and Velko Panovic. That's another need they're going to have to address. And uh, you know what? Right now it's not looking good for the Fire. Uh, when you look at the Eastern Conference, as stacked as it is, uh, it, it's just, I, I mean, I find it tough. I find it tough to see them. And to be fair, I didn't pick, I don't, I didn't pick the Fire to make the playoffs. But... Um, the, the way things have gone this year, I mean, I, you know, I think, could they have signed, could they have made some moves now in the previous window in this window before? Could they have? Absolutely. Could they end up paying the price for hesitating, for putting it off, for not being more decisive with some new additions? I think, I think that could absolutely be the case because they're unlike the Sounders, right? Who are in the Western conference, which is wide open, totally significantly weaker of the two conferences in the West. You can get away with, you know, kind of moon sleepwalking the first half of the season, right? You're not doing that in the East folks. You're just not because when you look at obviously the powerhouses, when you talk about Atlanta United, NYCFC, the Red Bulls right now, Orlando is looking very strong for my money. Toronto FC will be there. In the end, and I know right now they're struggling. Right now their their defense is decimated. They're going to get these guys back. They're going to get their players back, and they're going to make a run. So for me, anyone who, who wants to write TFC off and say, oh, they don't think they'll make the playoffs, listen, anyone who wants to bet, we can bet. For me, they're going to make the playoffs. That doesn't leave that doesn't leave a lot a lot much uh, uh, that doesn't leave much room for other teams. I mean, right there, you're already talking about five spots, right? Who's left? Columbus Crew, New England Revolution. That's the battle right there. And if you're Chicago, you have to find a way to be, catch up with those teams. And right now, the Crew are playing well. New England's playing well. And it's not looking good for the Fire. I think it's going to be another lost season for them, unfortunately. And now, Dax McCarty is injured. Dax McCarty is injured. Uh, injured his hamstring. He's going to miss some time. They definitely couldn't afford that. Even even as well as Mo Adams has played the rookie out of Syracuse, a player who I really like. I mean, still, Dax McCarty, you definitely miss his leadership on the field. And the fireman, they're in trouble. They're in trouble. So uh, we'll see what happens with that. We'll, we'll see what happens with that. Um, and now let's move on. We've already gone too long. This is definitely going to be a, pro, a super long episode. And apologies for that. I was hope I was hoping to get us into uh, around an hour. But anytime I get two interviews, two interviews, by the way, which I did cut down. Uh, it, uh, we're not, I'm not airing the full interviews, uh, because I, I interviewed both of them and you, you can read articles on both of them on gold.com in the coming days, uh, where I'll definitely have a little more in, um, insight from both of those players. So definitely keep an eye out for that. Uh, but we're going to have to, we have to rattle off the, the week 12 schedule. Uh, and just to, you know, just to give you my picks and listen, let me warn you folks, I am confident in my picks. But please don't go gambling on my picks because, as everyone knows, gambling on MLS games is definitely a fool's errand. I feel good about my picks. And generally speaking, this season, I think if you add up my picks, uh, I, I do my picks every week for Goal.com. I'm pretty sure I have a winning record, right? And I've also started to now have a best bet, which is my the game that I say, you know what? You put your money on this game, you're going to win your money. So I'm doing that now. So far, I'm 2-0 and on the best bet, so I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, although I did have my first losing week, I think it was five and six 
this past week, which is my first losing week in a while. So you know what? If I were if I were putting money on games, and I'm not, if I were putting money on games this season, I would be I think a little bit ahead. But I don't need the headache. I got enough. I got enough drama in my life. I don't I don't need the drama of betting on MLS games. But for those of you who do, or for those of you who just want to know what's going on this weekend, here's the quick rundown: Orlando City at Toronto FC. No Giovinco for Toronto. Still no Drew Moore. No Jose Altidore. Javinko is suspended for the red card he, he he received against New England, but he's out. Still no Drew Moore. Uh, still no Jose Altidore. Still no Justin Morrow. But Chris Vavinga might be back uh, in central defense, and that might allow Michael Bradley to move back into the midfield, which I think would be huge for them against an Orlando team that is coming off their first loss in six. They had their six-game winning streak snapped by Atlanta United. They're a tough team, but Orlando will be without Dom Dwyer. Who, uh, who had a lower leg injury and did not make the trip to Toronto. For me, I was already put it, to be fair, I was, even before the, uh, I heard the news about Dwyer, I was already picking Toronto because I believe Victor Vasquez is back. I believe Mavinga should be ready to start. And if they're ready to go, I think there's still enough quality in that Toronto team for them to win at home and for them to stop the bleeding. So we'll see there. Up next, NYCFC at Colorado. I'm oh, sorry, Colorado Rapids at NYCFC. And this this is my best bet. If you want to bet on a game, you bet on this game because I do not see the Rapids in any way, shape, or form getting a win or even getting a result out of out of Yankee Stadium. Uh, I believe they've lost four in a row, or at least three in a row. Anthony Hudson, it's listen, folks. I, I wasn't high on the hire when it was made. Definitely nothing I've seen from that team to change my mind on that. Which also makes it mind-boggling to me that there that there are reports out there claiming that he linking him to the Sunderland job, which you know, I mean, come on, folks, let the guy actually show something in his first decent club job before you go linking him to other jobs. But you know what? Let's see what he does against NYCFC and Patrick Vieira. Maybe if he gets the win, maybe he'll show what kind of manager he is. I don't see it. I see NYCFC coming back home. This is their first home game in I think a month. They're gonna be hungry. They're going to be eager to get get three points. And, you know, we all know how tough they are at home on that tiny field. NYCFC running away. I, I, I give it a 3-0. Apologies to Tim Howard. Sorry, Tim. I think you're going to take a beating in this one. And this is my best bet. NYCFC running away. Up next, one of the top games of the weekend. LAFC travels to Portland. Portland, four wins in a row. They just won their Derby match. Are they going to have a... You know, have the Derby hangover? I don't think they are because, listen, they know LAFC is a good team. They know they're a dangerous team. But they're also a team with a lot of players getting ready to leave for the World Cup. And you always wonder how players are going to play when they have the looming World Cup trip hanging over their heads, right? Are they going to be 100%? Are they going to be all out? Are they going to hold back? So that's why, for me, I feel like it's only natural. I feel like it's only natural for to, for, for most for most players, or let's just say some, let's for some players to have it in their heads that hey, I'm going to World Cup camp, I'm going to the World Cup, I don't want to hurt my, I don't want to get hurt, you know. So uh, it's going to be interesting. And look, Bob Brown's a great coach. I'm sure he's going to have his team in the right mindset. But I just think, look, for above all, Portland is tough at home. They they haven't lost at home this year. They're perfect at home. They've been tough at home for a while now. So I'm going to go with Portland in that one over LAFC. A very good, very close match. It could go either way, but I'm going to go with Portland over LAFC. Up next, Vancouver Whitecaps visiting FC Dallas. And FC Dallas, they are quietly putting together such a good season. And I don't feel like anyone's really talking about them too much. But you know what? Credit Oscar Pereja. 
his team has rebounded from what was clearly an abysmal season last year or abysmal second half of the season last year. And everyone wondered, okay, would they bounce back? They've been able to bounce back, give them credit, and give a Pareja credit for the job that he's done there. I'm going to give them the win against the Whitecaps team that, that has been a little shaky defensively. I've, I'm pretty sure I've said it before, but I'll say it again. Trading Tim Parker was a mistake, I think. I, I think they haven't replaced him, really, and I think they miss him defensively. And obviously, they're also missing their goalkeeper, Stefan Marinovic. But I just don't see them beating Dallas with or without Marinovic. Give Dallas the win at home. Here's another good game for you. New England playing host to the Columbus crew. This is a tough one, folks. Columbus, unbeaten in five. Jesse's artist scoring goals in bunches. Then you have New England coming off a, 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 an impressive win against Toronto FC. Uh, this is a this is really a toss-up for me, but I'm going to go with New England on this one. Uh, I think New England played Columbus a month ago, and they really played well in Columbus. And I think now, a month later, they're playing with more confidence. Christian Pania has been one of the signings of the season, and I don't know if enough people are talking about it. And I'll tell you what, I'll give New England credit for their team that, and I've, I've bashed them before, for their inability to make good signings of international players. But when you look at the team that they've put together, or at least some of the signings that they've made, uh, in, in terms of Wilfred Sahibo and, and Pania, two absolute solid signings. And I don't know if that's Mike Burns. I don't know if that's Brad Friedel or both of them. Whoever it is, give them credit because those two signings have been outstanding. And it's why they're right there in the playoff mix. And they have, they're, they have shown that they have improved under their new coach, Brad Friedel. Credit to Brad Friedel. He's doing a great job there. And I'm going to give him the win over Columbus. Next up, Real Salt Lake visits Talon Energy Stadium to take on the Philadelphia Union. The Union coming off a win. They should have some confidence getting a big road win. Any any road win is a big road win for the Union, right? Let's be honest. They're ter- they've traditionally been terrible on the road. So if you're Jim Curtin, it gives you something to build on. And the thing about it is RSL really is terrible on the road. So as much as they have some intriguing attacking pieces, as much as they have Justin Glad, I just think they're going to go and lose again on the road uh, to Philly. As much as the Union sometimes struggle at home. I'm going to give the Union this one. In a, in a close match, but I'll go with the Union in that one. San Jose playing host to D.C. United on Saturday night. D.C. United, look, I'm not sold on San Jose, even though they did get four points from two road matches. I'm still not sold on them, but I am sold on them more than I'm sold on D.C. United. D.C. United is a train wreck, right? They're a mess. They need upgrades. They need about three or four upgrades, three or four new players. They need to start spending that big money that their new ownership is supposed to have. You know, whether that's Wayne Rooney, whether that's Carlos Tevez or Mario Balotelli, whoever they go get, they need to get a forward. They need to get a center back. They need a few things, right? And they're not going to go all the way to California and win. They're not going to do it. I'm going to go with the Earthquakes in that one. Sunday's schedule, we've got, uh, it's actually uh, three games on the slate on Sunday. Minnesota United, Sporting Kansas City. Minnesota United, I mean, they're a tough one, man. They're such an enigma. You know what? I saw them at home against San Jose. I, I just... I had them winning. I thought they would win. San Jose has been a bit of a mess, and and and, and they lay it down. Minnesota laid down. Uh, they just didn't show me much. And listen, if you can't if you can't show up to beat San Jose at home, I don't see them showing up to beat Sporting Kansas City. Are they going to make it a game? Possible. Are they going to score a goal or two? Possible. Probably not. I'm going to go. With, <laughs> I'm going to go with Sporting Kansas City. They're just too tough. They just had a week of rest after beating Atlanta in Atlanta, so you know they got the confidence coming in. I'm going to give Peter Ramiz's squad the edge in that one. 
taking the big road win for them. Chicago Fire versus Houston Dynamo. I already talked about all the injuries with Chicago. Uh, so when you think about the injuries, you say, well, how can you pick the Fire? No Dax McCarty. You know, can they really win? Yes. I'm going to actually pick them to win just because I don't think that Houston is that Houston is that good on the road. Uh, in Chicago, I think at home, I think they have still have enough. You still have Bastian Schweinsteiger. You still have Nemanja Nikolic. Uh, you still have the rookies that they have that I think are pretty good. I'm going to go with the Fire to win in Chicago. Well, in Bridgeview. Last but certainly not least, and actually the game of the weekend, Atlanta United New York Red Bulls. And I tell you what, folks, I really wanted to pick the Red Bulls. I really did. Especially after I picked NYCFC to beat them. And they smashed NYCFC. And they showed in that game what they can do. And, and Jesse Marsh showed what his team can do, even to a high-flying attack. They can shut it down. They can shut down a dynamic playmaker. They can shut down Maxi Morales. But listen... Atlanta is a whole different animal, folks. Atlanta, with the speed that they have, with the numerous options that they have in their attack, now that Ezekiel Barco is fully integrated, you have Joseph Martinez is healthy, Miguel Almiron, playing like an MVP, Miguel Almiron. So this is a tough one. This is a tough one to call. I'm going to go with Atlanta, but it could go either way, and I cannot wait to see Miguel Almiron against Tyler Adams because, because listen... They didn't really face each other. They didn't face each other last year. Um, and the Red Bulls won and tied the two games that they met. So they haven't lost Atlanta yet. But I think this is a whole different animal going down to that stadium and beating them. And I know you'll say, well, wait, they just lost last week to Sporting Kansas City. Yes, they lost last week. But they also got a first half red card and had their goalkeeper sent off. That was a big game changer. And for me, anyone who watched the early going of that game... I think Atlanta was going to win that game. I think Atlanta uh, Atlanta looked like the better team before the red card against a really good Sporting Kansas City team. So from that standpoint, I don't see them losing two games in a row at home. As much as I love the Red Bulls defense, as, as tough as I think the Red Bulls are, I have to give it to Atlanta to beat the Red Bulls. Well, folks, I think that about wraps it up. Uh, I think we have some international news we could definitely touch on real quick. Thomas Tuchel has been named the new manager at Paris Saint-Germain which uh, is an interesting one, and, and, and I think good news if you think about Timothy Weah. Uh, Tuchel is a player who has shown that uh, he showed at Dortmund he's not afraid to play young players, and now he, uh, he'll he have Tim Weah to kind of mold and, and develop, and, uh, and and I'm curious to see what happens with Weah next year, next season. Uh, you know, he had his little bit of taste of first-team action this past season. He's still young, but he has tons of talent. And uh, it's great to see a manager like Tuchel get the opportunity there uh, to work with him. Uh, also, we have Gianluigi Buffon has left Juventus. We don't know yet where he's going to end up. There are rumors about him going to the English Premier League. I've had some people ask me about MLS. Should he come to MLS? And listen, I love, I love Gigi Buffon, right? I, it would be amazing if he came to MLS. But the only way he comes to MLS is if he's willing to come for peanuts, if he's willing to come for... Uh, a really small contract because I don't think because I don't think any team is going to spend big money on him and I don't know if any any I don't know if any teams in MLS are going to spend big on a goalkeeper ever again. Uh, I think Tim Howard was a bit of an anomaly. Uh, Brad Free uh, Brad, sorry Brad Friedel, Brad Guzan uh, you know has himself a pretty si- good sized contract seven hundred thousand. I think that's the ceiling for MLS goalkeepers. I think for for a while now, uh, Tim Howard was that anomaly. He got himself a two million dollar. Uh, deal. I just don't see another. I don't see a team in the league that's going to spend huge money on a goalkeeper because look, the top top goalkeepers are way out of the uh, MLS price range, 
And when once you start talking about older goalkeepers, how much can you really spend on a goalkeeper? So uh, unless he likes, unless he's coming for the Yuri Jorkaev discount, which I like to call it, uh, for those who don't remember, Yuri Jorkaev was his World Cup winner with France. He came and in, in signed to play with Bob Bradley and the Metro Stars. Uh, he played for peanuts. He played for like $150,000 a year. And he did it because he wanted to live in New York. He wanted to experience living in New York. And he was great. If Buffon wants to experience New York, you know what? Uh, I don't know if either of the New York teams uh, are are making room for him, uh, and not not to say that I you know I wouldn't. I mean, if I'm NYCFC and he wants to play for me, I'm gonna I think I'm gonna find a way to get Gigi Buffon on my team. But that's not gonna happen. I don't think he's going more than likely to the, to the Premier League. I know I saw another rumor about Argentina. I don't know about that one, folks. That one that one sounds a little far fetched. Uh, we also have Andres Iniesta, who is wrapped up. Uh, his time now at Barcelona, and uh, you know what? We still don't know where he's going to go. Is he going to go to Japan? Is he going to go to China? I know some people have said, hey, what about MLS? Why isn't he going to MLS? Clearly, Iniesta has cultivated relationships with companies and businesses in Asia, and there, def- there are definitely more lucrative opportunities for him there than there are in MLS. And look, I, I think anyone who follows me on Twitter or, or, or has, you know, listened to the show before knows I love Iniesta. He's one of my favorite players of all time. I just don't know who in MLS is, is you know, wh- where he'd be a fit in the sense that he'd want to come here. Uh, you know, I think it, it was always interesting to me when Xavi uh, was in discussions with NYCFC and then ultimately he decided not to come. And he was eventually later quoted about, you know, not 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 feeling like it was a good move for him uh, to come to such a fast and physical league and some people might think oh that's crazy like uh, you know you know of course he could do well here and look i'm sure Iniesta could do well here i'm sure but at the same time if you're in, if you're Iniesta and you're going to finish out your golden years and you can get a huge payday in asia and not get beat up on a regular basis you'll probably take the huge payday in asia so i don't begrudge him there uh, I, I totally get that. As much as I would love, have I would love to see Iniesta in MLS. Absolutely love it, love it, love it. And I'm sure a lot of people would love to see that as well. But I just don't see it happening. So that wraps it up. I think that's it. We've covered a ton of ground, a uh, ton of topics. And once again, apologies for the length of the show. Uh, I think we're getting to the point now where I might have to start going with two shows a week. Uh, I'm still debating it. Um, and I'm also trying to see if we're going to keep the one show format. Am I going to keep it on Fridays? I know people like a, a midweek show. Right now, my, my guys from SBI are doing their own podcast, uh, the SBI Soccer Podcast. And I, and I know some people still get a little confused by this. They're two separate shows. I know I need to work on a new logo that differentiates us even more. Maybe we could change the names, I guess. The SBI show is the SBI show. It's been that for too long to change but you know what hopefully people can tell the difference but they have a midweek show so i gotta see after we're figure it out but you might start hearing two shows a week uh and you know what let me know let me know in the comments section if you think we should do two shows if you think i should do two shows or if you like the one show format i know i'm gonna definitely try to start recording it earlier so we can get it on fridays early on fridays apologies that it came out this late on this friday uh, it's just between the two interviews and trying to get it all together. Uh, it just, you know what, time just ran out and uh, ended up having to push this to a Friday evening drop. But uh, you know what, folks? Uh, what, let me know. Give me some feedback uh, in the comments section. 
leave a review in iTunes. Uh, I haven't, I haven't yet, haven't yet seen any new reviews in iTunes since the show came back recently. So if you haven't given us a review, or if you can give us another review, please do and let it, let me know. Let me know what you'd like to hear. Let me know what you like, what you don't like. I know some people hate when I don't have any any uh, co-host when it's just me. I know some people are okay with it. I'm still figuring things out. I, I'm looking to have some people on, some guests, some guest hosts, some guest co-hosts. I definitely want to bring my man Ryan Tolmich on. I'm sure I'll bring back Garrett Cleverly. I'm sure I might. Uh, I'll probably bring back Doug McIntyre at some point. So. Look out for that, but definitely give me some feedback, whether it's on on the site itself or on iTunes. Let me know, and I can definitely work to try to make the show better. Uh, That's all for now. Make sure you read uh, sbisoccer.com, and definitely make sure you read my work over at gold.com. I had quite a few stories this week, and I will have some interviews uh, with Joe Zhao and Gooch, uh, Lyndon Gooch, uh, extended... uh, quotes and, and comments from the interviews that I had with them that weren't in this show. So if you want to hear more, if you're curious to learn more about those guys, definitely keep an eye out on gold.com in the coming days. But that's all for now. I'm Ivis Larson. This is the SBI Show.